I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes. A true crime podcast. (laughs) This is our first ever episode. Yay! And we're so excited to be talking about true crime with y'all. It's our passion. Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's introduce ourselves real quick. Okay. Hi, I'm Claire. I'm a senior journalism and history student here at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, where we are recording from. (laughs) Um... I'm currently pre-law. I'm going to be studying, hopefully, entertainment law in the upcoming years. We'll see what happens. And I got into true crime when I was a kid, and I watched the TV show Bones and Criminal Minds a lot. It's not real true crime. It's like the (laughs) fake true crime. But it definitely led into my love of actual crime and serial killers and all that stuff. Um, And then when I was in high school, I read In Cold Blood for one of my English classes, and I loved it. I devoured the book. I read it in like three days. Um, And that was just the beginning. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, I'm Randy, and I'm also a senior at CSU studying journalism with minors in legal studies and criminology and criminal justice. I am also pre-law, but I hope to pursue a career in either criminal defense or human rights, civil rights law. Something like that. (laughs) And I really love like 60s, 70s era history. So when I read Helter Skelter, when I was like too young to read Helter Skelter, (laughs) I was hooked. And I know a little bit too much about Charles Manson. (laughs) And yeah, ever since I've just been really into everything surrounding true crime. It's such a complex and interesting topic. And Here at Killer Vibes, (laughs) we hope to kind of, we want to kind of normalize this conversation. We don't want anyone to feel ashamed to be interested in serial killers. If that's your passion, you be passionate about it. (laughs) And so no judging. We're going to just be casually talking about gruesome crimes and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's totally okay. Just to let you know, we will have a couple, like two or three parts to each episode. So make sure you're clicking on all of them. The episode's not abruptly ending in the middle of the story. (laughs) Exactly. But we will be covering everything from really local cases to giant serial killer stories to um, some campus murders because we're college students. Yes. (laughs) And if you ever have any suggestions about cases you would like us to research, let us know. So for this first week, I will be telling the story, and then next week, Claire, and then me, then Claire, then so on. Et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) So for this episode, I wanted to start our podcast off with a local story, semi-local, that is really just relatable to us as I'm 21, Claire's 22, and we live in a college town, and we go out to the bars and... This story just encompasses, I feel like, a lot of aspects that exist in a 20-something-year-old's young woman's life. Yes. And there's a lot, I think, to learn from it, in addition to all the juicy, creepy stuff. So (laughs) let's get started. I'm so excited. (laughs) On April 1st, 2011, 19-year-old Kenya Monhe was reported missing. It was April Fool's Day, and her mom tried to convince herself that it was just a distasteful joke. People were messing with her, but it was not. She had disappeared the night before at a bar in the lower downtown um, like bar district in Denver. 
and no one had heard from her since. Scary. Now, let's back up to the night before. Kenya had plans to go out with one of her best friends, Janet Gomez. Kenya and Janet were very diligent about their safety. They always had their cell phones on them, and they always made sure to arrive and leave the bars together, which is a great idea, especially if you're a young woman. On this night, their safety plans kind of got messed up. The first thing was that they were arriving separately, which is a little different than their normal routine. And they had decided to meet at a bar called Lavish. Janet got there and could not find Kenya. So naturally, Janet texts and calls Kenya like crazy, like what we would do probably. (laughs) And but she's not getting any responses. And this is immediately concerning because Kenya is a very reliable person and she's not just going to not show up. So Janet's freaking out. Okay. So what had happened was that Kenya could not get into Lavish. They, like I said, she's 19, so she had a fake ID and they wouldn't accept it. Janet doesn't know this, though. So she continues texting and calling for most of the night and she sends one final text to Kenya at 11.30 p.m. Now, Janet doesn't want to prematurely freak out too much. So she decides to go home without Kenya and postpone her worrying until the next morning because Janet said Kenya and her had, as part of their whole safety plan, a rule to like check in with each other, touch base in the morning just to make sure that the other one is fine. That's a great rule. I love that. So by the next morning when she has not heard from Kenya, She feels very warranted in her concerns about Kenya's safety. Right. Absolutely. So so we know what happens to Janet. Where's Kenya at at this moment? Because we've lost track of her. So I I just want to know that she's at least like with these people, her acquaintances. Mm, You might be disappointed. So she's last seen at the 24K Lounge with those friends. They say that she was talking and dancing with a guy And that she had kind of disappeared. But then she just never comes back. And her cell phone and her purse are left at, like, the booth that they were all sitting in. Mm. And this is sometime around midnight. The friends not really knowing how to test the gravity of the situation since they, again, were not really, really great friends with Kenya. Mm -hmm. They take her stuff and they leave the bar once it closes. Jumping to the next morning, Janet still hasn't heard back. And like I said, so she tells Kenya's family around the same time that Janet is like calling Kenya's mom and dad. Those friends from the night before show up to Kenya's house to drop off her belongings. And so Which is very nice of them. I know that is nice. Yeah. I thought so, too. It's really sweet. So this is the story her parents are getting is that Kenya was hanging out. At a bar. Illegally. Underage. Yes. With people she didn't know very well Mm -hmm. in that she didn't return texts or calls from her best friend the entire night and that she left without any of her stuff. So So that sounds horrible. (laughs) Yep. I'm not a mom, but if someone said that to me, like, I can't imagine what you would feel. I would. That's just like a total sinking feeling. I'm sure. I know. So they join Janet in freaking out. That's fair, yeah. And they call the police. Do you want to guess what happens? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So picture this. 
Kenya's parents on the phone with police. Mm-hmm. Ooh, saying, let's let's reenact it. Okay. Do you want to be the police or Kenya? I'll not be the police because okay. I know exactly what they're gonna say. Hi, police officer. Um, I am Maria, Kenya's mom, and I'm freaking out. My 19 year old daughter disappeared from a bar without any of her things. Please go look for her. Oh, well, ma'am, um, it hasn't been the 48-hour limit yet on missing persons, and unfortunately, she probably is coming home later today. Don't worry about it, so I'm not going to file a missing for- persons report. Um, Thank you. But you're the police. It's your job. <sighs> See, that's not really my job. Like, <laughs> I have to wait for that, so... <laughs> And you can't tell me how to do my job, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm a police officer. Okay, bye. Thanks for not <laughs> serving and protecting. Absolutely. So that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Word for word. Exactly. No, that's not word for word what happened. But, but basically. You guessed it perfectly. Thank you. Claire doesn't even know what happened, and she guessed it perfectly because this happens all the time. Yes, it's a and normal thing. It was actually 72 hours for this department's policy. They have a 72-hour wait on searching for missing adults. So this what? doesn't. She's nineteen. That doesn't even. She's barely an adult. I that's know. That's not even real. You're not an adult until you're twenty five, and you're like off of your parents' insurance. <laughs> right. That's the. That is the age right there. You can rent a, If you can rent a car, then, then you're an then adult. Maybe you're an adult. Maybe. Also, <laughs> Kenya's last name is Monhe, and her mom's name is Maria. So very Latina. I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and assume that that had something to do with it. Yeah. Not saying for sure, but I would bet on it. You know, racism, unfortunately, just runs very rampant in police, um, police precincts and stuff like that. So it's it's unfortunate. And there's plenty of evidence of that. Empirical evidence. Yes. Go look it up if you don't believe us. If you would like to argue with me about that. But it is true. And um, a lot of those cases are coming to light um, with the the body cams that are on police officers now, which I super appreciate. And I hope that every police officer is willing to wear a body camera. Yeah. You'd think that would deter it yeah. Sometimes doesn't. Yeah. But. So Tony, um, who is Kenya's dad, goes full Liam Neeson from Taken. Amazing. He starts investigating on his own because he's like, fine, I'll do it. Whatever. God bless. We only hope all of our dads would do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like David would do that. <laughs> my dad. Is that would your totally, dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave is great. He's my favorite. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I know. Don't abduct me because I have two dads and a big brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, I just. I have a dad and a stepdad, so yeah. and they both would totally kick totally ass. be Liam Neeson. Yes. Um. All right. So he starts with her cell phone, and while he's like sifting through her phone, it gets a text message mm-hmm. from a guy named Travis, who okay. says, "Well, I don't think his name's in the phone. Like it's an unknown number, but the text mm-hmm. message says." <laughs> okay. Sorry, I have to pause because this is. You gave me a very sinister look. This I'm very is the excited. weirdest and most alarming text message Sorry, ever. Sorry, I'm like eating a sandwich while I'm talking to you. Continue. No, that's fine. He says, Hey, this is Travis, the guy who gave you a ride last night. Creepy white van. Did mm. you get home okay? Oh, God. So he's admitting that he has a creepy white van. He's telling on himself. Yeah. He's saying, I'm creepy. <laughs> he literally, he used the word creepy. <laughs> I know. Which maybe, actually, if, I, if you think about it, maybe it was in an attempt to acknowledge that it's creepy so that later, like, preemptively point out that it's creepy. But th- if that was his intention, it didn't work. It just made no, everyone um, weirded out by him. I mean, the fact that, I mean, she's missing and then her phone which had to be brought to her house because she left it at a bar gets a text message saying there's a dude in a creepy white van that picked her up last night like 
what? <laughs> yeah, and that's what Tony says. He's like, what? Yeah, that's because Tony exactly is that way. Liam Neeson and is an intelligent man, clearly. And this Travis guy, was he the guy that was dancing with Kenya at the bar the night that she was met all of those friends? Um, So I don't think they really know that because there ends up being another guy that she's with that night that's not Travis. Goodness, so I, so many people. I don't know. I don't think it is, though. I think it's this other guy. But she ended up, we find out later, being kicked out of the bar just for being, like, excessively intoxicated. That's fair. You know. Yeah. And How you do. So she's, like, out of the bar and on the street. That's her, oh, that's her situation. Scary. I know. And Denver is dark and scary. Like, Denver's like any other major city. Like, a lot of people think, oh, it's Denver. It's really laid back. It's like, it's not. It's, I mean, it's, it's not as big as a place like Los Angeles or New York City, but it's still... A downtown area and as a female you just have to be so careful and I oh, that makes me feel it just like gives me goosebumps to think that mm-hmm. she was walking in the dark really drunk like I, I I want to go like take her home I know you know yeah anyway and that's actually what Travis says he did and he so Tony calls Travis and is like talk to me on the phone because my daughter's missing and you're, you're texting her. Person, yeah. mm-hmm. And so Travis doesn't get back to Tony until like a day later. So it's like 48 hours. The infamous oh 48 hours has infamous, passed. Yeah. And this is Travis's story. He says he saw Kenya walking home alone downtown and that she looked really drunk. So he offered to give her a ride, which is like you were just saying you would do. So right. seems, I mean, kind of nice. Right. And... She says that her she her car is at lavish because remember she was trying to get in there. Yeah, she was there first and then went to the the K lounge, the the 24K lounge. 24K. I don't think those exist anymore. I don't think they do either. On their way, she asked if they could stop at a gas station to get some cigarettes. And Travis said yes, and they go to the Conoco on Spear Boulevard and 3rd Avenue. Oh my god, which I know exactly where that is. I think it's like right by where we took the LSAT. No, dude, yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> where we took the LSAT. That's hilarious. We took the LSAT, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I kind of like telling everyone that because it was the worst Experience day ever. ever. And I took it twice. So. <laughs> we were like, we took the LSAT, like, everywhere we went just yeah. to feel smart. Yes. Which I feel like if you're actually really smart, you don't brag about taking no. the LSAT like we but did. But as the average people we are, <laughs> taking the LSAT was, like, a huge step for us. <laughs> like, so. I don't care what score I got. I took like, it. Like, I took the test. I was, you know, ballsy enough to do it. Yeah. So, there you go. So, <laughs> um... He says that when they get to the Conoco, it's closed, but that there is a guy standing outside smoking, and his name is Dan. <laughs> Dan, right. <laughs> okay. Dan and Travis, yep. the r- real winning duo here. And then poor Kenya. <laughs> I know. And he says that Kenya jumped out of the van and started talking to Dan, and that he gave her one of his cigarettes, okay. and that they were sitting on the curb, like, just smoking and talking in Spanish. And so Travis comes over and is like, hey, what do you want me to do? Like, do you want to go? And she says, no, I want to stay with Dan. And so Travis, like, can't force her to do anything. So right. he and he says it seemed like a like a safe situation. Like she seemed like she knew him. They were fine. So she so he leaves her there. Right. And I mean, that's like a rock and a hard place sort of thing, because you want to take care of that person but again you can't force anybody to do anything and also you're just as much as a of a stranger as as that that person so so 
So, I don't know. I still would have been more insistent than Travis was. But granted, I, I am a female and I tend to be a little bit more protective. And so, like, I don't want to see another female left at a Conoco, <laughs> like, And I feel drunk. like if Travis had been, like, come with me, then she would have been, like, extra, no, I'm not going with you. Why are you so invested in yeah, it's like, making me come with you? Stop. And maybe that's a weird double standard if I saw a woman insisting for another female to come no, with her. No, it's not. It's just safety. Just, right. Okay, I guess that's true. I don't know. I Yeah, yeah. There are female murderers, but... This is and, true. I mean, not the, as many. Yeah, one of the most prolific serial killers was a female. Who? Um, I think it's, like, Madame ba- Banthory... She, like, killed 600 girls and, oh, like, hungry gosh. in the 1400s. And there's, like, the Ken and Barbie killers. And oh, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of them. There's a I mean, just don't trust killers. anyone ever yeah. but yourself. Yeah, exactly. Even if they look pretty. Because <laughs> Madame Bathory was killing it. <laughs> you know? Literally. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, I made, a, I made a pun and I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah, no, she, she literally killed 600 young girls um, in oh, Hungary. And she bled them to death. Like, she... She was oh. creepy as hell. She tortured them and then used their blood as like a beauty thing. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, they, but she, she thought like, it was gonna make her like yeah, young or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And apparently, and actually, it's actually proven that blood is really great for your skin. Like to ingest? <laughs> no, to put on your face like a moisturizer. <gasps> yeah. Ew. Talk about gross. <laughs> no, but no, she did that. History serial killers. If you want to do a historical serial killer, I'm so down. I think Randy. we have. I think, I think we have. Don't we have one for the second season that we're gonna do? I think so. It'll be a surprise. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love his historical serial killers. Jack the Ripper and I were homies. Nice. Not really, but I I wish I knew who it was. <laughs> the most epic mystery in my life right now. <laughs> in your whole life. In my whole life. Who... That's okay. Knowing who the Zodiac killer is the most <laughs> annoying thing to me, too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Arthur Lee Allen can literally... I totally think it's him. Literally. He, it is him. It is him. There's no question. Tony, like the awesome dad he is, does not believe Travis's story. That's fair. Mainly just because he says that that does not sound like something Kenya would do. That's just not like her but at the same time she's out drinking underage without them knowing so it kind of seems like like most people at that age just kind of have a little bit of their life they don't tell their parents everything about which is fine but but still like at the core of who she was he was like no way yeah and I mean the fact that she had this like weird like it's not weird but she had a security blanket with her friend Janet like they made sure that they were in touch with each other so from what I've heard about Kenya, I just don't see her bumming a cigarette off of a person at a Conoco or even getting a ride from a random person. Because even though she wasn't with Janet at first, she was with people she knew and she was staying with them. And the fact that she was extremely intoxicated also comes into play as well. And, you know, as much as everybody would like to say that being intoxicated isn't necessarily an excuse for bad behavior, you lose your sensory ability when you're drunk. Like, you lose that, and you can black out and forget things. So that could have happened as well. So Tony actually coordinates a meetup with Travis at that gas station that he says he left Kenya at. And Tony, believing that he's about to go meet with the last person that saw his daughter alive, Mm -hmm. brings a gun with him. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> and um, Kenya's mom, Maria, calls the police and is like, please go to this gas station and make sure everything goes down smoothly. And this gets their attention. So they right. do they do go to the gas station. and Which, smart for Maria, support your husband, but at the same time. I know. Give him some backup. Yeah. <laughs> like, he said that she was, like, begging him not to go do that. And mm-hmm. he was like, you can think what you want. Like, I'm going to this gas station. Did he say it just like that? With, he like, snapped and everything. You can think what you want. Yeah. And did, he, like, a little S motion with did. his finger. And I'm yeah. sure he did. Tony seems like that sort of a guy. <laughs> like, screw the Liam Neeson persona. Underneath, he's really, like, in touch with his inner drag queen, which I feel like we all have an inner drag queen and are just waiting Yeah, he for let that the sass awesome. attack out. He really did. On her, I think. Yeah. I don't know. We weren't there. But I'm <laughs> just that's saying, how I we like, weren't there. I like to picture it. He was like, absolutely not. My daughter is probably in the back of his creepy van murdered and I'm going to go check it his out. His creepy white van. Yeah. Thank you very much, which I was warned about so much as a child and told not to take candy out of creepy white vans. So. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So they all get to the gas station and the two police officers had actually beat him to the gas station. So he was like surprised when they were there. And the police act as mediators for Travis and Tony. And like, I have to mention that Travis is a super good looking guy, kind of cute, normal put together looking person. Right. And Tony says he's really polite and even goes as far to say that if a stranger were to give his daughter a ride home, he would want that stranger to look like Travis looks like. Right. Absolutely. And Travis sticks to his story, tells the police and Tony the same thing. And while the police are, well, okay. So the police are kind of a weird, weirded out by this story as well. So they're like, can we like talk to you over here for a second? And Travis agrees. So while they're doing that, Tony goes around to the back of the gas station where Travis's creepy white van is. Mm. And when he gets in 10 feet of this van, the smell of bleach hits him. Oh, God. See, that's like murder cleanup 101. Everybody thinks the bleach is going to just... Clean up all your problems. It doesn't always. Just saying. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious when you use it. Like, you can't... Bleach is, like, the most powerful and most recognizable smell. I know. It's... Ugh. ugh God, I hate this guy. So, he, like, can you imagine being Tony? Like, finally maybe feeling a little satisfied with this lead. Mm-hmm. And then that happens. And oh, boy. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. And thinking... And my first thought, because I'm morbid as hell, I would be like, her body is in the back of that car. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like, it's in a trunk in the back of that car. And that's what Tony thinks. So he goes around front and tells the police, like, you need to come check this out. So the police say, ask Travis if they can look in his van. And since he gave them permission, like... It was totally fine. And you um, do have rights to that, yeah, your but, search and seizure. But Travis was like, sure, I have nothing to hide. I just have a creepy van, but it's Yeah, but it's it smells fine. like bleach, whatever. And whatever. And they look in it, and the front part where you would sit is, like, disgusting. Has, like a dude like, van, yeah. It has, like, food trash in it and is gross. And then the back is spotless and smells really strongly like bleach. Oh, God. That just does not make me feel very good. 
at this point, the officers can't really do much because, again, it's like they're not in charge of whether they can investigate this or not. So they have to just tell Tony, like, we'll keep an eye on your case. We don't feel great about this guy either. And that's kind of where we're at for the weekend. So that's the end of part one. Um, We are going to delve into what happens when the police do get involved. Luckily, they do. And that'll be in part two. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.